I love playing the game of disc golf. What I hate is waking up the next day, feeling that soreness in my muscles, in my body, my arms, my shoulders, my legs. And what I typically do is I wake up, I hammer down a few ibuprofen or Tylenol, and I go ahead and move on with my day. What I didn't realize was how bad that was for my body as well. Throwing a disc is very strenuous on your body, whether you realize it or not. What it does is it causes micro tears in muscles, which then become inflamed, and that's where any post-workout or post-round soreness comes from. That's why you need to check out our friends at Wonderkind. Wonderkind with a U. All natural CBD products. They're located right here in the United States, and they're always shipping for free. All of their products are 100% legal in all 50 states, lab tested to make sure that you're getting the highest quality CBD product to help you recover from your round out on the course. The CBD products all have an anti-inflammatory property, which is amazing for muscle recovery and pain reduction after a round. Guys, check out Wonderkind. Again, that's W-U-N-D-E-R-K-I-N-D. You can follow them on Instagram at Wonderkind Extracts, and you can visit their website at wonderkindextracts.com and select from any of their amazing CBD products and use code RUNIT15 at checkout to save 15% off. Again, that's RUNIT15 at wonderkindextracts.com. Tired of putting down those ibuprofen and those Tylenol, eating up your stomach and attacking your liver? Well, give an all-natural CBD product a shot and see how much better you feel after your round. Again, that's wonderkindextracts.com, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Hey, this is Yui, and you are listening to Running It with Nate Sexton. Running It with Nate Sexton is brought to you in part by Innova Champion Discs, the choice of champions. Hello, Disc Golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. He is the Innova team captain and our host, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. Back at home for uh, a couple days before uh, heading back out there for the Resistance Discs Open this weekend, uh, also just in the Portland area. Nice. So you're getting to you're getting to stay in Oregon, which is uh, which is good for you. Is is Coraline coming back this time? No, my dad is actually arriving imminently. And if you hear a bunch of dog barking in the background of the show, then you'll know why, because my dad has arrived. Uh, but uh, yeah, Coraline came with me to Portland Open. Uh, it, was, it was really fun having her, uh, but also, you know, had its own set of challenges, having her at the Jomez Airbnb and being kind of fully in dad mode up at 6 a.m., doing dad stuff, and then straight over to the, my luckily, my friend John. And his wife, Erin, uh, were willing to watch her. And they have a daughter, Madeline, who she was playing with. So I'd drive across town, drop her off, go warm up, play my round, drive back across town, pick her up. And then it was, you know, back on dad duty till uh, till she went to bed. But then I got to stay up, you know, till roughly midnight to finish Joma's commentary. And then, you know, back up at 6 a.m. So it was uh, it was tough, but it was fun. And, uh, yeah, and the cash streak is still alive. I didn't play well, but I played well enough to cash. So moving on. 
And that's all, that's all that we're worried about. Now, Nate, we're all familiar that in that Jomez Airbnb, you're there with Yuli and Germ. So let's be honest, you're always in dad mode at the Airbnb. <laughs> well, when we're off camera, you know, I can let them run pretty wild. But I, you, I, you got to rein them in a little bit sometimes when we're on camera. And that, that has varying levels of success, depending on how much they want to fight on any given day. Now, Nate, before we get started on this amazing episode that we have lined up for our listeners today, we got to take a second and pay some bills. And I'm talking about our friends over at FisherDiscGolf.com. FisherDiscGolf.com has been the trusted retail sponsor of Running It with Nate Sexton from day one. Guys, they've got a ton of amazing discs. In fact, over 18 different brands in stock. Tons of awesome apparel. You've heard me talk about their new website. Nate went on there, checked out. They keep adding more Innova discs each week. And guys, they've got that those rare Ledgestone 2021 discs in stock. I know they've got some specials running on those. You want to save yourself some money on some limited run plastic, head over to FisherDiscGolf.com. Check them out. And Nate, for listening to this show, our listeners can save a little bit of money, right? Yeah, you can get 10% off your very first purchase by using our code RUNIT10, and shipping is always free at FisherDiscGolf.com. Absolutely. We thank Fisher Disc Golf for their support. The best way to support the show is to support our sponsors. Now, before we get off to this interview, we talked about our friends over at FisherDiscGolf.com. You've heard me mention it before. You pick up your new disc, maybe a bag, some apparel. The next thing you need is a tasty snack for being out there. And Double G Craft Jerky, they're the snack that I'm talking about. This beef jerky is addicting, so I've got to give a little warning to our listeners out there. Uh, it's one of those things where you don't just order one bag. You end up going back for more. You continue ordering all of the different flavors. Garrett really knows what he's doing. Not only can the guy bomb a disc, but he knows how to make uh, he knows how to make some beef jerky. And uh, all you have to do is hop over to doublegcraftjerky.com. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Nate's word for it. Order a bag for yourself. Proceeds from each bag sold goes to Garrett's Children's Foundation. He's really doing some amazing things to help grow the sport, uh, and it's a, a, a to help out an amazing player that's out there on tour. So, doublegcraftjerky.com. Check them out, Nate. I know you're a huge fan of it. Have you uh, have you gone through your whole trade stash yet? No, but Corlin and I did polish off a bag of the original flavor today. So that was on rotation today. I don't know what we're going to get into tomorrow. It's always an adventure. But uh, definitely been been eating it at a an alarming pace. But I'm not. I don't feel bad about it. Nor should you. I actually feel bad even bringing it up. I don't want people to know that you have that much jerky um, <laughs> because, you know, people could start coming for the good. So doublegcraftjerky.com, guys. Go ahead and check them out. Again, like I tell you, the best way to support the show is by supporting our sponsors. And, uh, and Double G is just a heck of a guy. So doublegcraftjerky.com. Follow them on all social media, Double G Craft Jerky. In fact, I know that they're uh, auctioning off some discs right now to go towards uh, Double G's Children Foundation. Foundation. They've got a few uh, special run emperors uh, with that double G craft jerky stamp on there. So check out their website, check out their social media and support our sponsors to help support the show. Uh, once again, we have another amazing guest lined up. Um, I'm really excited for this one. We've had some uh, some really cool uh, uh, history guests, some some people from Disc Golf's past. But I think today we're going to be talking to someone that's going to be sticking around for Disc Golf's future. Who are we running it with today, Nate? 
Yeah, we've got uh, one of the breakout stars, I'd say, of 2021. It's not like she only arrived this year, but we've got the 2021 DGPT All-Star Weekend Champion. More importantly, the 2021 Waco Annual Charity Open Champion and the owner of a shiny new career-high 941 rating as of today. We have Kona Panis. Hey, Kona. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was really exciting actually waking up this morning and seeing that 941 rating. Uh, that's a new career high, and it's been something I've been working towards, you know, since day one. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all the way you've been playing that your rating would be reaching some new milestones this year, but that's always a good feeling to be able to uh, cross over another barrier. So, what, 950 next, right? Yes, definitely. So, um, I just saw that Juliana Corver, I believe, jumped up. Uh, Hopefully, I don't get this wrong. I believe 25 points today, and she's in the, the 950 club. I believe there's only 11 women in that club, so would would love to join that this year. Yeah, definitely. I think it's totally within the realm of possibility. That's pretty amazing with Juliana, too. It's sweet that she's able to – that she's getting so so back into it. I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds for her. I know. It's really it's, – it's honestly inspiring because she – I – I didn't really know of Juliana when I was getting into the scene. She wasn't touring. Uh, I think it was kind of past her time. And so to have her kind of just show up, be so, you know, into it and still be able to play great golf, you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's inspiring and gets me excited for hopefully my future in disc golf. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely. So where are you and Colton now? You guys heading, heading to Utah already? Yes, so we left Oregon yesterday. We stopped at the Huck Lab. Uh, shout out to Jay for having us a uh, Huck Lab store and saw him, picked up some Huck Lab discs. Colton got some lone howls done. Nice. And then uh, we came to Ogden. We just got to arrive to Ogden today. So we're chilling, relaxing. Um, I actually took off this week. We uh, got done with Portland Open and I was I was feeling it. So I'm taking off this week from the Utah Open to you know let my body relax before Worlds. Yeah, and that'll be great having, a, like, what, basically a full two weeks to acquaint yourself with the courses? Yes, and, um, you know, it kind of brings me back to Colorado vibes because we're at elevation here, and sure. um, I feel like I that gives me a little bit of extra confidence knowing that I, I know what discs fly like at this elevation where I feel like some people are going to get a wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been stockpiling some flippy stuff, but yeah, perfect segue into kind of getting the, the Kona disc golf story started here on the show. I know you're from originally Colorado. Yep. And you and your family lived there, and that's where you started disc golfing, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you guys have been playing a long time, You're all your family, really. How, how did you guys find disc golf? So my dad actually, first, when he found the sport, he had just like a lid. His Him and his buddy, and actually one of our next-door neighbors, uh, they really got into it. They went to a small, like, nine-hole course back in my hometown of Littleton, Colorado, uh, in Carl Park, and it was actually one of the first courses I grew up playing. It was really short, um, and he kind of started with a lid, and then he got so in depth in disc golf, and he started, uh, co-founded the disc golf club Mile High Disc Golf, which is actually one of the biggest disc golf clubs uh, I believe in the country. And you know, he went head first. He got obsessed with it, and you know, did some tournaments. And there's photos of me as a little you know, a little nugget, almost as big as Coraline, you know, and <laughs> I'm just sitting there behind the table helping him check people in. So I've been involved in disc golf for a very long time. And he's had, you know, 
he's given me discs growing up, but it wasn't until, you know, high school when I really got obsessed with it. Yeah, sure. Well, we we, we kind of have to touch on your first tournament. We always do that on this show. Yes. How old were you exactly for the 2005 Mile High Classic? Oh my gosh, if I was if it was 2005, I believe I was only 7 years old. And wow. did, did did it show my rating, my first ever rating? Did you guys see that? I tried, but it didn't show it. I just know you shot 123 throws. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it was that one in 2005 or a different one, but my first ever rated round, I believe, was in like the 200s. And that's that makes sense. I mean, why why wouldn't it be? You're only seven or eight years old trying to get around a horse, probably. I know. It's just so crazy to look back. Like, my first ever rated round was in like the 200s. Dang. You know, some people, it's like, <laughs> oh, my first ever rated round was in like the 900s. And it's just, it's cool looking back and seeing that. Yeah, so like I saw that your dad was playing open at that event. Was you 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 must have, your mom was caddying for you, or because you were the only girl in your age group, which isn't weird since you were seven. But uh, do you do you remember that at all, or is it kind of too fuzzy and you were too little? No, so mom used to be my main my main woman. She was my caddy, my everything. I remember her literally on every single hole being like, okay, are you tired? Do you need snacks? Okay, drink this. <laughs> I remember her constantly feeding me, you know, like a Skittle every once in a while. She's like, all right, we need to get your, you know, your blood sugar going. You're kind of lagging, you know? And I, I remember some of my very favorite memories of her just caddying and just being there. And I remember some of those tournaments, I believe I dropped out of because I was just so tired and exhausted after, you know, only one round, but you know, it's cool. Mom, mom was a big part of my disc golf career when I was young. And it's, it's something I don't really remember all that often because it wasn't until, you know, high school when I was going out with my dad a lot. Yeah. And then, so then high school, you, was that kind of when you started, traveling for tournaments i think that's around when i met you was you you must have still been in high school yes yeah so i was it was my either my junior year or my senior year of high school when i met you paul and anthony barella and we played one of our my like first round with you guys at vista del camino yeah. and i remember i didn't want to putt in front of you guys because i was like so like my putt was not confident and it was not great. And I remember like, just like picking my disc up when we would get close to the green and walking to the next hole, because I was like, I'm not putting in front of these people <laughs> and showing them how bad it was. So, you know, that was so cool that, you know, Hannah hooked me up with Paul and I was able to do that with you guys. Cause that was a, that was a very big part of my like, Oh my gosh, like I want to do this and I want to do this all the time. You know, I want to spend every weekend with these guys and see what they, you know, what they can teach me and what I can learn. Yeah, sure. I definitely remember uh, meeting you that day and being impressed and you have some good power. I remember talking to Paul, like you'd be thrown and be like, hey, shift forehand's pretty good or, you know, whatever, you know, because that's, you know, all we knew is we're coming to meet a young player and see how you were. And uh, yeah, I definitely remember that round. I remember kind of hanging out a little bit, maybe at the glass blown open or something in emporium maple Maybe hill party that might have been the same year and maple hill too yep yep cool so the, so those were kind of some of your first big um uh, trips for disc golf yeah and then you you actually gave me a huge tip at maple hill that um you know i was i think i was throwing like destroyers and strikes on you know these wooded holes and i remember you're like you know maybe you should like disc down and not not throw like a hundred percent like you know just try and hit your line <laughs> You're not getting all the way to the basket. And I remember I was like, oh, you're right. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. I remember just like, you know, one of those moments as 
an amateur player, you know, you don't think about that stuff. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, why was I throwing 13 speeds down these tiny fairways? So yeah, sure. it's cool. It's, it's so cool to look back on talking about it. You know, I don't even, t- I, I don't even remember half this stuff until you kind of like dig totally. in deep. You know? Totally, totally. You got to hear a little story and it turns on some light bulb. You remember something else, but yeah, I think that's a common thing. And I mean, I could, everyone could stand to remember that sometimes, even me where you're like, it's so hard to give up the dream of like the perfect shot and the hole in one when, you know, the likelihood of that on a Maple Hill fairway with a fast disc, when it's like at the top end of your possible distance, like you'd need to hit the flip perfect and keep it in between all the trees. It's like the chances is like less than 1%. But I think a lot of players, you know, it's hard to give up on something like on the dream of like, man, well, if I threw it perfect, I mean, I know I could, but yeah, definitely stepping back and and it'll help your score in the long run if you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah, learning how to play golf instead of just going for it. Sure. So now uh, your dad works for Innova, your mom works for Hero Disc, and you guys moved from Colorado to California for that opportunity, if I'm not mistaken. And and even you put some time in working in the Innova warehouse, haven't you? Yeah. So I actually, I remember I reached out to Innova. Prodigy turned me down. I actually reached out to them first. Not a lot of people know that. Um, Will Schustrich asked me to play another year, try and maybe get some wins and then, you know, come back the next year and, you know, see, and I'm like, ah, dang, you know, I really liked, I believe their, their M4, I was really obsessed with. And I'm like, all right, "Ah, that stinks. And then I went to Innova and I remember talking to Jonathan and being like, I'm obsessed with like this driver. And I think I was throwing the T-Bird a crap ton. I just aced with the T-Bird and I was like, I'm loving this. I'm getting obsessed with disc golf. I'm getting into media. I'm posting a lot on Instagram. And I remember he was like, you know what? Like, let's just, you know, let's take a chance, you know, welcome to the team. And then I believe either that year or the following year, my dad kind of did some freelancing stuff for them, some small media stuff. And then he was kind of deciding between some jobs. He kind of had the opportunity to look at a few different job opportunities and one of them was Innova and my dad's like, you know, we sat down as a family and my dad was like, you know, how do you feel about this disc golf thing? Is this something you want to pursue? And, you know, I was very serious about it. I, you know, loved the lifestyle. It looked so dreamy. And, you know, uh, we ended up moving within that next month uh, to California. So kind of up, grabbed our life. And uh, it was my mom, uh, my dad and myself. We all drove to California. My brother stayed in Colorado. And Fun fact, my brother actually works for Hero now as well. He stamps uh, their discs. Oh, nice. Yeah, so but it's a whole you, family affair. Had you, you had like just graduated high school or did you have to go to high school in California? No, I had just graduated high school. I was kind of, I think I was uh, working at a rec center and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and uh, didn't want to spend a crap ton of money on college quite yet until I figured out what I wanted to do. So I was kind of waiting to get to California see if this whole disc golf thing would work out and then either go to college um, there in California. I was looking at classes there or I was going to pursue this disc golf thing and uh, ended up, you know, meeting Colton down the road and got on the road with them later on and, you know, did the disc golf thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm glad, I'm glad it went that way. I think a lot of people are seeing, getting the chance to see you throw and see your success this year. The game's definitely better having a, another uh, rising star, especially American, because we all know those Europeans are bringing it. So we need some. We need you. We need you. We need Haley. We need these young, great American women playing the game and playing well. Yep, I know the Evelina and Hennas of the world, they're, they're coming. Yeah, for sure they are. 
<clears throat> so let's see. We're we're like uh, I guess we. We'll, I kind of want to. I can't. I can't wait too long to get into the amazing things you've done this year. So we're going to kind of skip ahead even more to that. Uh, we're about halfway through 2021, the season so far. Already, you've had some pretty unforgettable tournaments at the All Star, and then even more so at Waco. I was wondering if you feel like your win at Waco has changed anything about your expectations for yourself or your goals for your career. Oh, I think, I think Waco is a huge turning point for my confidence and the way I kind of look at the game now. Um, you know, I put Paige Pierce on a pretty high pedestal just because she really got me into the game. And, you know, I even tried her putt back in the day. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of my Instagram, I'm in like my garage, you know, trying her Paige Pierce over the top head, you know, spin putt. And, um, you know, seeing that I could win and, you know, come out on top and put together three great rounds, it, it just kind of, it didn't knock her off that pedestal, but it just showed that, She's not superhuman and I have the same ability to do the same thing. It's just consistency. And, uh, you know, Waco, knowing I could, seeing I could do it and kind of not believing that I did it and seeing that I won by that amount of strokes and it, it was surreal. And having Colton there with me on the 18th green made it that much special. And like calling my parents, they were in Hawaii. And so they were at the top of some mountain when I called them. And so they had to drive down. And then I finally got service. And I remember just, you know, crying and screaming on the phone with them. And, you know, it was just like seeing all the hard work finally pay off. And, you know, I've been I've been putting a lot of work in, whether it's on my form or it was on my putt, you know, this new putt everyone thinks it's so weird looking and it it, it worked like it did yeah. it just proved that no matter what it is as long as it goes in the basket you know it doesn't matter and as long as it gives you the confidence you know it's that's all that matters yeah i loved it i thought you know innovate you know be be comfortable in what you want to do and and you don't need to worry about how it looks i mean I've had tournaments, nothing on the big stage like that but i remember early in my career having days where my putt felt bad and starting to putt, I was putting like 30 footers from a knee in a wide open field because I was wow. like, this this works better. Crazy. So, so sometimes you've got to get wild. Sometimes you got to yeah. do something different when you just aren't trusting what you're doing. So I thought it was incredible. And you spoke about your uh, your margin of victory. What, what was it, like 12 or something? I should have I should have had that number handy, but it was yeah, a Yeah, 12 strokes. Yeah, okay. So I knew it. Good. Uh Probably the most dominant performance for a first-time Elite Series winner ever, at least that I can recall. I don't, I don't feel like that's ever happened before. Mm-mm. We talked about it a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit more just kind of about what you were feeling as that weekend went on. Because I'm sure at the beginning you're just like, wow, I did a great round. But you don't really think like, oh, I'm, I might win. You're like, well, that was great. I'll, hopefully I can keep going. You know. But then as that dream of winning became more and more real and then like that moment where it kind of went like, I guess I, I guess I'd really have to mess up at this point. Like I'm kind of going to win, like just kind of walk us through some of that, how those emotions felt and, and when you started to realize like this is happening, uh, if, if you had that kind of moment. Yeah. So, you know, after first round, I shot that six down and I remember I was like, dang, like that was a really great score because you know, the beast is, it's a tough course. You have yeah. a mix of all kinds of different shots. It's, you know, I feel like every hole you're kind of throwing something different. And I just remember finishing that round being like, oh, that was really clean. Like, I'm curious how Paige finished. And, 
uh, I think she ended up either tying me or she had me by one or something like that. And I remember going into that second round very nervous. I remember sitting on the first tee kind of shaking. And I believe I hit early and went out of bounds. And, you know, in that moment, I like mentally like made a choice. I'm like, you can either let this like really upset you because I'm like shaking. I'm already nervous. I'm on lead card. I'm, you know, I'm already like in the lead or I'm, I have the chance to have the lead and I already went out of bounds. And I just like told myself to push forward. And I remember that day, Seth gave me some uh, breathing techniques and I remember sitting there for a second and like, but while everyone else like threw their tee shots and did my breathing techniques. And then I just remember after that hole, after I get past the first hole, I'm fine. And after I shot that second round and I shot another six down, I was just, I was in awe. I, you know, I was just like, Holy crap. Like I just shot another six down on this crazy course while Paige Pierce just shot. Like, you know, I don't even know what she shot that round, but it wasn't Paige Pierce. Like I remember watching her play and I'm like that, that wasn't PP. I don't know who that was, but it wasn't, it wasn't her. And she hugged me on hole 18 on the second round. And she's like, dude, I wish I could see it tomorrow. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm like, see what, you know, like, I'm, yeah. I'm not thinking I'm going out and just winning it, you know, running away with it. So I'm like, I'm like, ah, you know, see me play. Yeah, cool. Whatever. But, you know, I still wasn't like believing in it. You know, it's still one of those moments where, you know, you just, you're, yes, like, I believe I could do it. But in that moment, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe, uh, we'll see. Sure. Um, and then I remember that third round, I had my card with, I believe, Missy Gannon, Madison Walker, and the th- third name is missing me. I'm sorry for whoever that is. <laughs> and uh, I remember Missy and Madison kind of giggling and they're like, ha ha ha, like, we shouldn't even be here. Like, this isn't even a competition. Like, you have this, like, crazy lead already. And I remember kind of just giggling and being like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's not over until it's over. Like, I, I still had that mindset even with my lead going into the last round. Um, and that last round, I, I wanted to shoot another six. So, um, you know, I didn't have any – I said I didn't have any expectations, but, you know, I wanted to see if I could go, you know, turkey, you know, to see if I could go sure. three rounds, six down. Um, and I ended up only shooting – I believe only four, four down that round, but honestly, and it wasn't until the last hole until I absolutely positively knew that I won. And I was like waiting for everybody to tap out. And then in that moment, I'm like, all right, like you did it. You got through the last round. You played clean. I got some really good birdies in there too, even with some misplayed, you know, bad shots. I even was getting upset. Like I remember Colton walked up to me and he's like, Hey, calm down. Like you still have like this enormous lead. But I remember I just I wanted to shoot the best I could for that final round, even if I did have that lead. So amazing feeling. Um, you know, when Terry was interviewing me, obviously I couldn't hold back. I, you know, was, you know, very overcome with emotion and, you know, rightfully so. It's been a long time coming for me personally. And uh PP, you know, she hugged me on that, you know, on that green after I won and everything. And that meant a lot just because, you know, like I said, she's someone I'd looked up to for a very long time. And, you know, get getting recognition from the five-time world champ, that means a lot. But, you know, now looking back at it, now like every time like we play a tournament, like I want that win. I'm I'm constantly searching for that feeling of, you know, I think Colton posted it in his caption yesterday, the feeling of accomplishment and that that same kind of competitive play that I had back when I was in Waco. Like I'm still trying to find that feeling of just peace 
while I was on the course. Like I remember I wasn't thinking about any kind of form or putting or nothing. Like it was just, I was freely just playing and I'm, I'm still trying to find that feeling. Yeah. When, when it's going like that, it feels easy. And that doesn't mean you don't make any mistakes. Yeah. It just means you don't, you don't overthink. You're just kind of out there performing. And yeah, I mean, I think that's how it works. Like everyone else, feels like you've won, but it makes no sense for you to, like, if you're on T1 of the third round going, well, I guess I got it done. You're probably going to lose. Like you have to stay locked in. And I think uh, that's what I expected you to say is that you'd be, that you didn't really count yourself as a winner until the very end. I know that's how it feels for me when I've been fortunate enough to come away with wins. I'm not like ever celebrating until the, until the very, very end, because I just want to keep grinding and keep doing as well as I can. And I got the results right here. I pulled them up. And if you need any proof uh, for, I think this says it almost better than you can about how much you respect Paige Pierce. You said after round one, she might have had you by a stroke or you might have been tied. You were leading by three. Mm. But it's funny that your memory tells you that she was beating you because that's that's how amazing she is, right? You know, you almost think, well, of course she was, she had the lead. But no, you were winning by three. But yeah, obviously, I, you know, I feel like really fortunate that I was able to do the live commentary because if I'm not doing live commentary, I don't have time to watch live. So it's like when I do, when I do get to do live commentary, it's like I get not only do I get paid and get to do a job, but I get to watch live disc golf. I had a really watching that event unfold and watching you play and how well you did. It was really, really great. And yeah, I think uh, clearly you've got it in you to do it again. And I'm sure that you will soon. Uh soon as in two or three weeks right oof gosh i would oh my lord i would love (laughs) i would love a world championship but you know what i have a lot to work on and without Paige has been playing she's been playing pretty lights out lately i see i played around with her at santa cruz and i saw some frustration which gives me some uh (laughs) <laughs> some ease because i'm like all right she's getting frustrated about something in her form so she has some work to do too it's sure. not all that easy um so yeah for me it's just it's putting green and you know some some simple upshots that i've been messing up lately that need to get tuned up before worlds sure and i'm, I'm not saying that you should i'm just saying that you can don't i'm not trying oh, yeah. to put any pressure oh, on you i'm just no, saying that no. you can. heck yeah no uh, i i agree yeah, for sure. Uh, I was wondering, uh, kind of switching gears again, what do you feel your biggest strength is as a disc golfer? My biggest strength as a disc golfer? Um, lately, lately, it's been with my physical ability with my drives. But um, recently, and especially at Waco, it was my mental. My mental sure. side was just so good. And honestly, I want to give a huge shout out to our diet <laughs> because I feel like since going, we've been, Colton's been doing it with me. Um, we've been gluten-free and we've been eating more organic. And I feel like it's been a huge part of uh, my season this year and how I'm feeling um, both before, after my rounds. And then it's the weirdest thing. I never thought I would say this, but uh, I feel more clear in my mind because I actually have a thyroid condition and I get this um, I get this brain fog where I used to. I don't anymore since going gluten free, which is insane. I used to get this brain fog and it would it, it would just kind of cloud my mind without even noticing it. And ever since we went gluten free, I believe we're four or five months gluten free and kind of organic. I feel like I'm able to actually focus on when I'm actually playing and I feel amazing when I'm out there. I don't feel sluggish. So 
I feel like, you know, our change in diet and um, we practice a lot during the off season, just like added to that as well. Awesome. What's like, a, what's the go-to restaurant? Because well, cause you can't be cooking every meal when you're living in the van on the road. Like what, what conforms to that diet for you guys? So I, I, I do actually cook most of our meals. We, we probably eat out for dinner maybe once or twice a week, but I'm, I'm cooking most all of our meals in the that's van. That's pretty impressive. That's, that's hard to do, to, be, to have the planning and the time uh, with all the travel and everything. That's great. Yeah, it's one of my, that's actually one of my favorite parts about, you know, van life is we're able to do everything just inside of our van and we don't spend a ton of money eating out. I'm, you know, we're, uh, we had got hooked up with Backstage Organics uh, this year and he's been hooking us up with a bunch of coupons and uh, nice. Natural Grocers has been giving us a bunch of, you know, food, supplying us with healthy food. So that's actually been helpful towards that as well. But no, we, we cook a lot. That's awesome. Uh, I was curious. I don't know if I don't, this is kind of along the same lines as, as your, as a strength, but just kind of like the fun thought exercise. And if one doesn't pop into your head, you can just say, I don't know. But I was wondering, like, if, is there a hole that you've played that kind of pops into your head? If I put you in this scenario where you, it's you, Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen tied first hole of the playoff, you could pick any hole for it to be on, you know, like this, this playoff could be taking place anywhere. What, what hole are you picking to give you the best chance to win? And why do you pick that hole? To give me the best chance. Well, yeah. I mean, you get to choose. It's like this, you're tied. And now it's like, you have this magic machine where you can go to any hole for hole one of the playoff and you, and the choice is yours. Ooh. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but for some reason, Maple Hill comes to my head, but cool, cool. if I'm thinking of another hole, maybe obviously there. Okay, sweet. Yeah, like hole one. Yeah, hole one fountain because that brings in some pressure, and sure. that's a it's a big hyzer with something kind of overstable to get that skip. I kind of I kind of dig that hole one at fountain. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, cool. I was just curious, and it doesn't obviously they're incredible players. It's not like saying they would do badly on it, but just no. the whole you have a lot of confidence, and that you know you're gonna have a good chance to be in there and at least extend the playoff, if not win it right on the first hole. Yeah. All right, so I, I just kind of have one more thing before we get to some fan questions for you, if you have time for those. Yep. Uh, another kind of just little exercise. I wish I could watch more FPO, but I'm usually playing and doing all these things, so I don't get to watch as much as I'd like. I'm curious, very unofficially, if you wouldn't mind telling us, in your opinion, the top five in terms of distance on the course in the FPO division right now. So not necessarily distance contests in a field, but who's bombing it out there the longest right now in FPO division during the tournament? Oh, I like that. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting some insane distance lately, so I'm going to put... I think Paige you should Pierce. be in there. I am in there. Heck yeah, good, I'm in there. Good, Paige good. Pierce, number one. Katrina, number two. Haley King, number three, only because she outdrove me on 18 this past weekend by 10 feet. <laughs> uh, I'll take number four. And then number five, who's throwing far lately? Cat, I'm going to do a dark horse. Cat uh, Merch, actually, when she gets on her drives, she can bomb. For her, it's just consistency and having straight confidence. But she has some crazy distance. And I'm, I'm excited to see you know, where her game goes in the next few years. Sweet. I love it. 
Cool. Well, if you don't mind, I'm sure we I'm sure we got quite a few fan questions in uh, after we posted that we were having you on the show. Heck yeah. Yeah, we we got a we got a lot of fan questions, although <clears throat> Nate, you did such a solid job. We got a lot of them answered actually <laughs> in the interview, but that's okay. We got we got plenty of them. Um, now, before we get to some fan questions though, Kona, one of the things that we do, well, we actually have a few things that we do on this show that we like to to bring back, little reoccurring segments here. Um, And I noticed that when you did your Instagram live with your dad after the win in Waco, it appeared you might have been in like an RV of some sort. Is that how you and Colton are traveling? Yeah, so we actually drive in a, I believe it's a 24. 17 foot um, transit van 250 high roof extended um, and Colton built out the whole entire thing himself so uh, we I painted most of our dressers and his family helped paint and then he put in we have two fans up top that help circulate our air when it gets toasty like it is in Utah this week oh my gosh it's going to be toasty and then um, yeah it has everything we could possibly need like all the shoes we carry oh my gosh um and then so you're you're 100 pairs and his two pair yeah no oh i don't know i don't know shoe king (laughs) he loves his shoes so it sounds like that might be a little too fancy but who knows you guys may have come into something we always like to ask for some kind of crazy road story, an RV story. The air conditioning fell off the top. Our tire fell off. We didn't close the cabinets and everything fell out. Has, has there, have you guys come across anything like that in your travels? Oh, I feel... An RV We're horror story, if you will. We, you know, it's knock on wood, knock on all the wood. Let's in go. My yeah. Hand right I got now. some right here. Here I go. Okay, yes. Yeah, we haven't had any. Oh, knock, 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 knock. We haven't had any issues with the van yet. Um, we've seen a car on fire, like ready to blow up. We've seen um, like a, a Jeep in a review mirror literally lose his tire within like a second of us passing him. Um wow. But nothing to the point of us being super sketched out, thankfully, because we've we've had a very knock on all the wood. Uh, we've had some great experience with our van. She's we, every time every time it gets to like another hundred miles, we always give it a nice little love tap and say, "Good job, freak, keep going." Nice. You guys are young. There's still time. We'll catch you in a few years. Um, <laughs> For sure. Now, a- another thing that we do is um, we have Nate pick out a disc out of his bag and he kind of breaks it down and tells us what he likes to use it for, why he bags it, why it's important. Uh, but why we have you here, we know that you had that that big win. And um, I know that you were talking a lot with your dad about a particular disc that was kind of a workhorse for you. Um why don't you break down your super swirly, pretty, really awesome Mako 3? Oh, gosh. I, I'm, shout out to Innova for one, for giving me the Star Mako 3 this year, because not only has it uh, changed my bag, I didn't have the Mako 3 in my bag until, uh, I believe, last year before, um, you know, I got to pick my first tour series. But... Uh, you know, they went with the transitional star, which I'm so stoked they did and didn't just go with the average star plastic. So every disc is actually a little bit different. I have some people come up to me and it's like a 
purple and pink swirly craziness and it's really cool you know uh, we had some spectators at Portland Open have me sign them and it's you know shout out to our spectators that came out it's so nice to have people cheering for us again but uh star Mako 3 changed my game because uh it's i like to compare it to the leopard 3 in a sense just like a shorter leopard 3 very consistent uh dead straight with lots of glide uh, i feel like i can even do it stand still and hit it hard and it just kind of pops up for me ride straight doesn't flip over on me at all because it's that 180 gram and this run came out pretty great it's not super understable I feel like the power throwers can actually throw it but you know even your average amateur player maybe even coming from ultimate uh, might love the Mako 3 too because it's kind of frisbee-esque but great plastic nice gummy star transitional star plastic and I got to give a shout out to Chris Roswell one of our Innova art um, artists Uh, he actually did the artwork and absolutely you know did a great job. It came out so great. Yeah, and for those of you that are listening, you can go ahead and pick that disc up at absolutely nowhere because nowhere. they sell out super fast. So um, you guys all have all these awesome discs, and we just look at them and, and hope that someday uh, let's, get, let's get those factories cranking and get some plastic out. Nate, where are the firebirds? Uh, where are the firebirds? I know. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll let them out. Jeez. <laughs> I need to get I need to get new tires on my car. I've got I've got the, I need. Uh, all right, so we've got a a ton of questions here, Kona, and um, you know, of the hundreds of questions I've got, half of them are around your putt, and I know that you spoke a little bit about it already, um, and how important it's been to you. So let's just pick out one of these putting questions. Um, what was your motivation to switch up the putt and how did you come up with this, the the new stance that you're using? Was it something that was taught to you? Did you just find it comfortable? Everybody wants to hear about this new putt. So the, I, I was using just a normal staggered putt, I believe before COVID and it just wasn't working. And then COVID hit and obviously we had a lot of time to try new things. And I remember when we were back in California for the off season, I was working on an Anheuser approach, just kind of like a, like a throw from probably 200 feet out, something that I could just kind of loft at an Anheuser left of the basket and have it kind of just fade out and land flat at the basket without any, you know, weird skips or fades. And I remember I was enjoying just the way it was coming out of my hand and I was using it a lot for upshots. And then all of a sudden I lost this putt and I actually uh, reached out to one of my mentors and I'm like, Hey, what do you, what do you think about this throw putt thing? Like I, I like it from far away, but do you think it could work for a putt? Because I lost my putt and it's just not working. I need to find something new. And we spoke for a bit and he's like, yeah, you can definitely use it. Just shorten the stroke and focus on the hit. And I remember I was just feeling good, feeling good. And I was making these putts. I was making, you know, 30 footers and bigger putts. And I wasn't having to jump or, you know, I felt with my old putt, I couldn't, I was pushing it too much. I wasn't getting any spin. So at least this, with this new putt, it was, had a lot of spin. So I could do it from all kinds of distances. And honestly, it was just a lot of trial and error. It's still a lot of trial and error. Uh, this current moment, I'm actually between 
that Anheuser putt from like zero to 15. And then I'm straddling from, you know, 15 to 25. And then I'm Annie putting from like 25 and out. It's, it's right now it's all, it's all mental for me and it's using whatever works, uh, it, you know, whatever is going in the basket right now. And, uh, I, I still got to figure out the rhythm on the Annie putt. I got to find that Waco putt again. What is your go-to putter? What are you, what are you throwing? So I put with the, uh, infinite disc, shout out to infinite discs, lots of shout outs today. Um, they actually came out with a special run of glow D blend alpacas for me. So it's kind of a deep dish putter, uh, very floaty, doesn't go very far with my kind of putt. It kind of just sits right next to the basket. And, um, yeah, it's glow plastic. So it's a little bit more of a stable than their D blend, uh, that they have. And I've actually really been enjoying it and they've been beating in really nice, but it was a very small run. So not a lot of people have those. So another awesome disc that we can't get our hands on. Okay. Got it. Um, no, great. Uh, here's one that you kind of started to touch on a little bit. Uh, Andrew from Instagram says, what advice would you give a player that grew up in Colorado and with the altitude to help prepare for throwing not at elevation and vice versa? I know it plays a factor in the flight of the discs. So I actually enjoy going back to Colorado when my form is messed up because it forces me to throw my discs a lot harder and I feel like it fixes my timing as funny as that sounds. I remember playing somewhere, you know, on the East coast and then, you know, struggling with my form. It was off. And then we came back to Colorado for a week or two. And I remember it just went, it just went back into sync just because I was having to throw a lot harder to get more distance at Colorado because of the elevation and how stable discs are there. My tip would be when you're coming back to, you know, sea level and, um, you know, the elevations like that, uh, you know, you tend to throw, you need to throw more over stable discs because in Colorado, we have to throw flippy stuff because we need the discs to work a lot harder because um, I believe there's less air for it to, um, you know, fly through where when you're at like sea level and stuff, you have more to work through. So when you're coming at elevation discs or no, not when you're coming to sea level, you're not having to throw as hard to get the same kind of flight. So I guess I would say um, throw more overstable plastic when you're coming to, you know, a California or somewhere else that's not like Colorado because you won't have to work as hard to get the disc to fly as far or to do the flight that it usually needs or does by itself. Crazy elevation. And I think uh, if you're able, I would say just take different discs because yeah. – you got your babies that you've been throwing in Colorado that you love. And then when you go down to sea level, it's going to be like, you don't, you're not going to trust any of them anymore. And then it's going to get weird. So if you're able, if that's within your means, grab some spares and just take different discs and learn those ones down there. And then you don't need to, unless you're a career disc golfer and you're going up and down all the time, I think that might be better because then you don't have to have this weird thought in the back of your mind about why, why is your strike flipping over and riding right so far when you're in California? Um, you can just leave them at home and, and start new with something else. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we have a weird elevation here, and that's what's happening to my discs. <laughs> Must be. That's <laughs> got to be why they're not flying farther. I can't believe we didn't get on this. Okay. Um, <laughs> Kona, 
Uh, Jarrett from Buffalo asks, uh, there's been some uh, some pretty impressive power couples in disc golf. You've got uh, Nate Doss and Valerie Jenkins. you got Paul and Hannah, uh, Garrett and Jessica, Nate and Germ. Where do you think you <laughs> and where do you think you and Colton would stack up in a uh, in a couples doubles match? Oh gosh, it's so it's so funny you ask this because Colton and I played, I believe it was twenty was twenty nineteen worlds in Vermont. Eighteen. 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 All right. Twenty eighteen. We played doubles in at Worlds and it was not great. I believe we we kind of were just playing our own game and we were like, eh, I don't think we're really good at this. I remember I think I twisted my ankle or something silly and then we like just pulled out. We weren't even upset about it because we were like, I don't think we're really great at doubles. Um, <laughs> but uh, if we were to do it nowadays, now it's a few years down the road and we know everything about each other's bags. I think we kick butt. Colton's been putting really well. I think he was almost 100% inside the circle at Portland Open. And we both have some really good distance. So an accurate distance. So I think bring it, Garrett and Jess. Come on. Let's go. Nice. Yes. Yes. I love that's the exact answer I'm looking for, by the way. I love that. Right, let's get let's get this set up. We're gonna do this. We're gonna get the siblings rolling with one, and uh, I think this couples doubles thing is a. Are, Joe Mez, are you listening? Let's, yeah, where uh, you at? Yeah, seriously. Let's let's make this thing happen here. Um, okay, we've got another one here. Lee from Instagram wants to know what fuels Kona's fire. If Kona had to choose a song as a reflection of herself, what would it be? And lastly, now that Kona has started listening and looking for birds in moments of peace, is there a bird that's your favorite? Oh, that's hard. I, I just started doing bird watching and oh, it's been so cool on the course. Like I've been seeing all kinds of different birds and uh, Colton and I have been listening to an audio book. Uh, I believe golf is not a game of perfect. And it just mentioned, you know, when you're not, when it's not your shot, you shouldn't be just constantly focusing on disc golf, you know, have, have a way to kind of take yourself back when it's not your turn and you know that's been my thing so I've been kind of enjoying all the nature and everything and I've been trying to do you know find find ways to learn while I'm also on the course you know keep my keep my mind going and learning new things so um, I actually found a tree creeper uh, in Portland he was this cute little bird he was on this tree and I was like dang that's kind of a cute bird I looked him up and a uh, tree creeper and I, I thought that was so funny creeps on trees I guess <laughs> but uh uh, that he's been my favorite so far. And then uh, California quail. That's been kind of cool to see. I actually talked to my friend across, you know, on the East coast and she's like, Oh, I would have loved to see, a, you know, a California quail. So that's been cool. But uh, gosh, if I could pick a song for some reason, it just makes me want to go to like a Metallica or like a system of a down, just like rock. I love, I love Colton and I, we like listening to our 13 minute tool songs while we're driving. So maybe something like that. Um, what else was in that question? He asked like three questions in one. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think that was a lot. I think I think okay. you got, I think you nailed it though. Oh, what okay. fuels your fire? Oh, what, what what, that's how we started fire? it. Gosh, you know, when I when I play bad, it actually kind of fuels my fire because obviously, you know, like we talked earlier, I I know the potential I have and I I see what I can do if I, when I put everything together. And I think that's what fuels my fire is seeing 
you know, I can do it again. And I, I, gosh, I want, I want to do it again. And I want to be like Paige and be able to post my Instagram. Hey, this is my fourth consecutive win. Like, yeah, I want to be able to be playing at that level and be shooting these rounds that I'm just insanely proud of, you know, not that I'm proud, not proud of what I've done so far, but I'm constantly pushing to, you know, uh, get that higher rated round or, you know, get that feeling of just, like I said, accomplishment again, I've been kind of frustrated with my play lately. It's been a little inconsistent. So to get that back, that, that really fuels my fire. Are you so guys I, really headbanging all the way down the road? Tool oh yeah. Metallica? We, is, is, oh, is that yeah. really all you guys are listening to? Not everything. No, we listen to a lot of different kinds of stuff. No, it's, it's on the, if you're on the road, you learn, you have to, you have to love all kinds of different music to keep it, keep it fresh and new. Side question. Did you see those baby quail at De La? No, dude. I looked every single day and then Madison posted a video. She saw him and I was, I was kind of, I was very sad. I did not see the baby quail. They were tiny, weren't they? So small. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think we have any quail here, but I had a big deer run right through a fairway today, and really Ooh. had no idea where it was. Yeah, so it's it's kind of cool. You get to see some, you get to enjoy some nature out there. I think Nate, you said you showed Germ some app that you can point at trees and bushes and figure out what they're called. What, yeah, what was that app? Animals too. Animals too. It's called Seek. S e e k. Well, isn't Germ always calling the <laughs> calling trees the wrong name during Joe Max? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't stop at just trees. He's calling almost everything the wrong name. (laughs) Well, thank God he's got you there for. He's got you there to take care of it. Um, Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that was going to be one of our other questions that a lot of people were asking, like what you guys are listening to, and um, so like we got that one, uh, we got that out of the way. Uh, Corey from Las Vegas asks, "What is the hardest part of sticking to your new diet?" And if willing to share, what issues did you have before that going gluten-free resolved or made better? Now, again, that's something you kind of touched on a little bit, but. Yeah, um, it's really hard. I'm a huge sweets person. I've always loved desserts. My grandma growing up, she was, you know, the best bake, you know, she baked all the goods. And so um, that's been a hard part for me. Like we walked in to get dinner um, at the local Flying J this uh, tonight and. There was this giant oatmeal raisin cookie and it was just staring me in the face and Colton's like, you don't need it. You know, there's other sweets you can eat that don't have gluten. So uh, I sadly walked out, but uh, that's been a tough part for me, not eating all my sweets. I, you know, I love tiramisu and all that stuff. So it's been depressing, but um, nowadays they've had so many great gluten-free options that uh, I haven't been too upset. So I have a thyroid condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and uh, I had a lot of inflammation. And so if you look at old photos of me, you can even see it in my face. Like it just looked puffy. Like it just looks like a lot of fluid. And ever since going gluten-free, I haven't had bloating. Um, Like I said earlier, you know, I have more energy. I feel a lot better. And the biggest thing for me was Um, when I was eating a lot of gluten, I had, it almost felt like not, I was suffocating, but kind of like I had a lot of pressure on my throat area because my thyroid was so inflamed. So that's gone away. And then my brain fog has gone away. And it's just, it's been an amazing journey just seeing, uh, how, how different you can feel if you put, um, you know, things that actually make a difference in your body. 
Sounds like maybe something I should give a shot to. Maybe I should look into that because it seems to be working for your game. Uh, do you think the bag of Sour Patch that I polished off while you and Nate were chatting is gluten-free? <laughs> yes, it's gluten-free, but it's not. Okay. Gluten-free. All right, then I'm already on a good start. No, don't. Just stop. Okay. <laughs> how's the brain, how's the brain fog, Jared? It must be clearing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, l- little bit. clear now. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I've had to get that. Now. Right. See, it's all about baby steps, Nate. Okay, you can't. I'm not. You can't. Can't rush this thing here. Um, all right. So, uh, you know what, Kona? We've taken a bunch of your time already. Uh, we got some cool fan questions in. You answered a bunch of them. Uh, like I said, I was super excited to to have you on. Um, I think it's just amazing watching you kind of break out this year and uh, and all of the the top ten finishes that you've had. Um, and I'm really looking forward to you for years and years to come to continue going. And I do. I will comment at one of the questions that we did get, uh, and it was something that I did think about and it came in from uh was it uh whose name was it here i'm sorry whoever it was but uh they mentioned how serious your game face is when you're out there playing and when i'm watching you i think to myself all the time i'm like wow i i've seen her do like instagram live videos and she seems really nice but she doesn't seem right now she looks like she's ready she's He's ready to go right now. Um, is that is that something that you work on? Like, are you in the mirror, like, game face ready? The Jomez cameras are going to be out there today. Are you trying to intimidate your card mates, Kona? Is that what it is? No, but you know what? I love that you say that I look scary because um, when I get on the course, it's all business. And lately, uh, this is random and kind of very honest. Lately, I've been feeling some sort of pressure. I feel like the FPO, like you feel like you have to be BFFs uh, with everyone on your card and you have to have, you know, all this fun while you're playing. And, you know, lately I've been like, you know what? Like, I don't I don't have to have fun to play well. Sorry, there's a train coming by. Um, And, you know, not to say that I'm, you know, Debbie Downer, but I've definitely been more focused on what I'm doing. And then like, you know, I walk over and maybe chat every once in a while, but you know, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty stoic when I'm out on the course because I, I want to play so well and I have these expectations now, you know, back then I'll mention, I've said, Oh, no expectations, but I want to do well. And part of that is, you know, saying I love you guys and you guys are my friends off the course, but let's, let's get to work. I'm, I want to do my best. I like it. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I, I love seeing the FPO. Um, you know, you guys are just, the competition is just getting so much better. The rounds are getting so incredible. Uh, it's just, I genuinely enjoy watching it. Um, you know, and I think that you guys are really, um, you know, you guys have really come on pace with the men and, uh, and it's, it's impressive to see. And I, I told Nate actually either today or yesterday that I want to start a YouTube series with, with some of the FPO players and take them around and just have you guys wipe courses up with these guys that like to leave their snide comments on on social media and then you know make it so they can never show up at their local course again after they get beat by 20 by any of you any of you ladies so um it's just uh it's just been amazing watching watching what you guys are doing and uh i look forward to watching you do it for a long time kona so thanks for uh thanks for coming on and joining us 
Yeah, well, hey, thanks. And you know what? Keep on keep on getting women on, you know, running it with Nate Sexton or if you guys do anything else cool like that, because, uh, you know, not only do we appreciate you guys showing the FPO side, but I think other people do as well. And um, we need to keep pushing the women's side of disc golf. So uh, we're growing the sport and things like USWDC, where we're playing three courses for, you know, all of our amateur women and stuff like that doesn't happen in we, we get looked at with more, more, not more respect, but kind of, um, and, uh, people, you know, see that we were here too. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me and, you know, doing all the podcasts. I listened to Juliana's and that one was really cool. So, you know, showing, showing women that we're, we're here and we're here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. We love it. We will continue to do that. Well, thank, thank you so much, Connor, for joining us and, you know, tell Colton, win another big one. We'll, we'll let him come on the show. <laughs> okay awesome. well, hey thank you guys so much for having me and uh shout out to anyone who sent in any any questions i appreciated answering all of them awesome have a good luck at the worlds good luck in your practice all right see you at worlds bye guys well nate kona was a lot of fun i uh i had a feeling that she was going to be i've been looking forward to this one uh for a while and uh and she certainly didn't disappoint and like i said i think that she is going to be a uh she's going to be a name in that fpo uh division for years and years to come yeah she's fantastic and I, i'm so happy for her uh to kind of turn in this corner and and taking her place among some of the elite players because you know she came up and she was really good on social media from the beginning. And, and, you know, you heard people like, oh, she's just on there because she's got this Instagram following. She doesn't deserve the sponsorship or whatever. And, and I, you know, always I was in her corner. She's playing well and she was very young. But now it's like all those people are so proven wrong because her talent level is right there. I feel like she's one of the most well-rounded women that plays right now. And the putt has, as she knows, as she admitted to, the putt comes and goes. But once it gets here and gets here to stay which i don't think is that long away when she kind of settles into a routine and a style she's going to be a contender week in and week out yeah absolutely a lot of fun to watch uh, a side note nate we did get a uh, a question that came in or even a comment from uh spencer lee and he said a follow-up he was listening to the uh, ask nate anything episode heard a little bit about what you were talking about uh he headed down to the pier took your exact line on the dream catcher hole and uh he did miss his birdie uh, he had a 50 footer for birdie that he missed but wanted to thank you for the tip and uh and hit the line perfectly so hey 50 footer is really good on that hole yeah that's uh it, it's a it's a tough course so uh nate what's uh what's up next for you you said you're you're staying in oregon and then uh and then it's world's after that right that's right yeah resistance discs open this week and then the worlds uh i get about three or four days at home before i have to head out for the worlds well i'm excited for that man so uh guys we uh we can't thank you enough for joining us downloading sharing all of the comments all of the questions we certainly appreciate all of them uh checking out our sponsors and supporting them is the best way to support us so thank you again fisherdiscgolf.com uh double g craft jerky uh, wonderkind cbd and extracts just uh we really appreciate all of the support Nate, I'll tell you what, I was telling my buddies again today, we played a couple hard courses and my one buddy goes, uh, well, you know, you can just, you can get up and down easy here. You lay it up and you, and you toss it in. And I looked over at him and I said, I've never laid up a shot in my life. 
right before I ripped my AVR about 25 feet past the basket. So uh, there's some people that don't mind layups, but us here. <laughs> On this show, we got to run it for sure. They're making 1,300 foot uphill par fives now. You don't get to lay up. <laughs> got to run them. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next week.